Are you ready for the word? Good, good. So, here we are. We've spent the last six months. Oh, I didn't change my uh, title for today um, on there. Sorry. Um, This is week three of the uh, Armed and Dangerous series. And the last week of this series and of our total study on Ephesians. So here we are six weeks later, journeying through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we took a short break at Christmas, but uh, we've been, we've been uh, I, I think, receiving and learning deeply and richly in the book of Ephesians. Um, I have been, anyways. It's probably the longest Sunday morning study that I've done on any book of the Bible, um, and... Uh, and, and even so, I felt like at every stage through Ephesians, we could have gone so much deeper in each of them, um, but uh, just tried to keep things moving. But, so today we are in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, starting at verse 18, and here we go. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that wherever I, whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. So there ends the book of Ephesians. We, uh, so, so Tychicus, um, it's an, that's an interesting handle. Anybody want to name your babies Tychicus? Um, is uh, Tychicus, it tells us elsewhere, he's mentioned about six times throughout the New Testament. Um, And uh, so we know that he's from the province of Asia, which is Ephesus, the city that this letter is written to, is the capital city of the province of Asia. So we know that Tychicus probably became a believer during the revival, the powerful outpouring that we read about in Acts chapter 19 that was the beginning place of this church in Ephesus. Um, he's, he's probably a native son of Ephesus and a trusted leader that Paul has sent to bring this letter back to his hometown. Um, Tychicus had been a traveling companion 
and, and ministry partner with Paul ever since Paul's days in Ephesus. He traveled with him and ministered with him. He was often sent as a delegate to, sensitive, to do sensitive ministry uh, in, in different places. Uh, here, on this trip, where he brings this letter to Ephesus, uh, we know from elsewhere that he went on to the island of Crete and took over as overseer temporarily of the church on the island of Crete so that Titus, who was the overseer on Crete, could go and visit Paul during his first uh, time in prison in Rome. So Paul wrote this letter from prison, sent Tychicus, he dropped the letter in Ephesus, went to Crete, Titus goes to visit Paul, right? Um, And then he also, in Paul's second imprisonment in Rome, when he was martyred for his faith, left Rome and came to Ephesus and took over for Timothy so Timothy could go see Paul before he died. So he's just a very trusted leader, and he is the carrier of this letter to the Ephesians. As we look at the last few verses here of Ephesians, and bring both of our, our, our study over the last three weeks on spiritual warfare, and our study over the last six months of Ephesians to a close, we're talking today about prayer. Um, I find that it's always interesting when I, when I teach or preach on prayer, because I feel like it's something that, that everybody feels a little inadequate in. Do you feel like, you know, when you hear people preaching and teaching about prayer, sometimes we feel guilted because, oh, I don't pray enough. Or we feel like, oh, I don't know how to pray well enough. Or, or I don't know, you know, sometimes I struggle with whether my prayers are even getting to God or, or are they being answered. And I, I just, I just want to, can we take the, the pressure cap off the room this morning and just say, all of us deal with that. You're not unique. You're not alone. Don't, don't receive this this morning like, oh, pa- pastor's just telling us we got to do better praying. No, all of us have, have growth in the area of prayer. Can we all just agree on that? Right? So let's just take the pressure off and lean in because the only way to fail at prayer is to not be willing to learn. Right? And so let's lean in and say, God, how can we learn about praying this morning? All right. So, so Paul says here, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer. And reading this from a Pentecostal perspective, okay, um, People, when I say Pentecostal, some of you might not know what that even means, and that's okay. It's totally okay that, that you don't know what that means. But, but generally, 
to, to make a simple statement, um, you know, as Pentecostals, we believe that the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit described in the New Testament is not something historical. It's not something for them. It is for us as well. It is, it is for today. The gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, we need it as much today as it was needed back then. Okay? Um, and as Pentecostals read this, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, we've kind of co-opted this phrase, pray in the Spirit, and used it mostly to describe praying in tongues. And so the question is, is that what Paul is talking about here? Um, and, and by praying in tongues, I mean praying using a language that you haven't learned, either a human language or a heavenly language that you haven't learned, but it's a gift from God, okay? Um, and uh, as strange as it may sound, if, you're, if, 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 if this tradition is not your background, it may, that may sound strange to you. But I want you to know that that experience is biblical and, believe it or not, it is the common experience of one quarter of the Christians on the earth. That's pretty significant, isn't it? A quarter of the Christians on planet earth um, are, are filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. Wow. Um. However, I don't believe that Paul is limiting his discussion here to that. And here's why I say that. I think it includes that, but I don't think it's only that. Um, because Paul says here, pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers. And praying in tongues is only one kind of prayer, isn't it? And so... Um, so it's not the only meaning, but it's just one aspect of what it means to pray in the Spirit. Here's what, here's what, just to camp on the praying in tongues for just a moment before we move on. The idea with praying in tongues, praying in a language we haven't learned, um, is that, that we, we are... In our prayer, we are often limited by the English or French language, whatever your first language is. We are limited by our language. We're limited by our puny human understanding. And, um, and we're also limited by our own desires or expectations. We can pray kind of narrow, one-track-minded prayers because this is what I want. And, and so what praying in tongues does um, is it, it helps us to, pray, to bypass our brain and let the Spirit of God pray through us prayers that we don't understand. We become partners in praying um, God's mind about a situation, okay? Um, it's also uh, a kind of prayer that is meant to strengthen our spirit. It's, 
It's a very biblical thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting in verse 2, it says this, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them, including themselves. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening. Um, so, so when he says, when you pray in a, in tongues, you strengthen your own spirit. When you prophesy, you strengthen other people's spirit. Okay. Um, and down in verse fourteen of the same chapter, it says, "For if I pray in a tongue." My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Okay? And so praying in, in tongues is, uh, is something we certainly believe in. The Bible teaches it. We encourage it as, as a way to build yourself up spiritually and to pray in situations that you don't know how to pray. You ever hit a wall? You're like, I'm praying about a situation and I don't even know, I have no words left. I don't know what else to pray. And if you're able to pray in the, in the, in the Spirit, uh, it, it helps you to just dig deeper in prayer when you don't know what else how else to pray. And I just want to, I want to say if you're here today and you're, you're curious or you're interested about this gift, we'd love to chat with you more. We'd love to pray with you to receive this gift. It's for ev everyone and anyone. And if you're online, feel free to, to shoot us a, a message and we'd love to chat with you. All right. But when Paul says, um, pray in the spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayer. What, if it's not just praying in tongues, what is he saying? I want to suggest to you that, um, that Paul is talking here about guided missile prayer as opposed to shotgun prayer. You ever pray and just hope something hits something somewhere, right? Right? Just throw out some words and hope something hits something. God, do something with what I just said, right? But what if we're able, like a guided missile, to, to tag the, the target, to know what it is God wants to do in a situation and pray like a guided missile towards that target? Wouldn't that be more effective? right? And I believe that when we pray in the Spirit, we are praying Spirit-guided, guided missile kind of prayers, where the answer has been tagged. We have a sense in our spirit, a sense in our understanding of what it is God is up to in this situation. What does He want? What is the kingdom purpose in this impossible situation and when we get that in our spirit we can begin to pray in such a way that we are declaring the answer we're not we're not praying with a problem we're praying with the solution 
We're praying with the answer. Right? So, so um, first, first Corinthians 2. So the question, you know, the question might rise in your heart. Is, is that even possible? Right? Is it possible to have the answer before you even pray? To know what God is up to? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10 and 11. These are the teachings God has revealed to us. Okay, so God can reveal things by His Spirit. We believe that. He, he will, folks, we need to be careful. He will never, if anything you think you, has been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, but it contradicts what we see of the character of God in His Word, then be careful because you might be listening to a lying spirit, a deceiving spirit. We need to be careful. Right? Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, he said, if I or an angel from heaven brings you any gospel other than the one you've already received, let them be eternally condemned. Right? We need to be careful. But the Holy Spirit does reveal things to us. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And so Paul is saying here to the church in Corinth that, that there are things that God, that the Spirit of God knows about the plans and purposes of the Father and that at times He reveals those things to us so that we have a sense of what the Father is up to. Jesus lived His life every day listening to the heart of the Father. And he would, he would say yes or no to go certain places based not... I've said, I've said this before. I, Jesus did not live his life in reaction to the devil. He lived it in response to the Father. And we need to learn how to stop reacting, just constantly living in, in reactive mode to the devil. And we need to learn to, to lean into the Father and hear His heart and live in response to the heart of the Father. Okay. So, three things I think praying in the Spirit means. I think it means that we pray empowered by the Spirit. Your prayers are so much more powerful than you think. They are. I've talked to so many people who are just like, oh, I don't want to bother God with that. I'm just, I'm just so insignificant and He's got so much on His mind, you know, the universe and everything. And I just, I just don't want to bother Him. And so, you know, folks, He's your heavenly Father. And if we've learned anything from the book of Ephesians, in, in chapter 1 it says that, that every spiritual blessing, every 
Spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is ours in Christ Jesus, it says. In in Ephesians 1 verse 3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms is ours in Christ Jesus. And then at the end of chapter 1 of Ephesians, it speaks of how Paul prays a prayer and he says, I pray that your mind would be enlightened that you would understand the power that is yours, the same power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Folks, if God has given us every spiritual blessing and he's empowered us with the power that raised Christ from the dead, why on earth would we think God doesn't want to hear our meek little prayers? So I was studying for this, this message. I was reminded one of the... There's, there's two places where, where the, Jesus... There's more than that, but there's two particular places where Jesus is teaching his disciples about prayer. Luke chapter, eight, uh, Luke chapter 11 and Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 11, he, spe- he gives a, a parable of a guy who in the middle, you know, late at night, Friends came visiting from far away. The guy ran out of bread. Sobeys was closed. And, and so he goes to his next door neighbor and knocks on the door and says, you know, can I, can I get some bread? And the guy says, go away. I'm already in bed. We're sleeping. Leave us alone. But the guy kept knocking and, you know, kind of bugging the guy. And it says, no, the guy wouldn't, um, wouldn't give the bread because of, uh, because of his goodwill, but because of your shameless audacity. Wow. Jesus is telling us we need to pray shamelessly audacious prayers. Bold prayers. And right after that, he says, to those who ask, they will receive. Those who knock, the door will be opened. Those who seek will find. Right? And then in chapter 18, it's, it's about the, the, the widow who wants justice. And she keeps going back to the judge and, and basically annoying the something out of him. And, um, and, and finally, because of her perseverance... And, Jesus said, you know, he's not saying that, you know, that God is like this unjust judge, but that our prayer needs to be like the perseverance of this widow who was looking for justice. So put those two things together. Shamelessly audacious prayers and perseverance, right? In the power of the Holy Spirit. Led by the Spirit. Our prayers should be led by the Spirit. As we spend time in the Word, as we spend time in God's presence, we get to know His heart. Prayer is listening as much as speaking. It's a two-way conversation. And as we get to know the heart of God more, the more we can pray guided missile prayers. Because we... 
when we know what is, you know, what the Word says about a situation, we can pray the Word. We know God wants that to happen because that's what the Word says. Or when God has put a solid promise in our heart. I remember the last church we were at where we planted a church. And since we started in the, in the community, um, I felt I, I would do walks, prayer walks, around the entire community. It wasn't very big. Um, it was, uh, I think, uh, what's two and a half kilometers? Cir- circumference of the, uh, of the town. It wasn't very big. Village. Um, but... But as I did prayer walks, God put a particular building on my heart. And I knew we need to be in that building. It, was, it had been vacant for 10 years. It was run down. It needed work. But God put it in my spirit. We need to be in that building. Three and a half years later, we're sti- you know, we still don't have a building. We're moving around, rented facilities and stuff. But I'm prayer walking I'm being perseverant and I'm, and I'm shamelessly, audaciously calling on God that that building is ours. I just I have that in my spirit. It's a promise in my heart. And we kept, I kept prayer walking the community. I, every time I walked by that building, God, thank you for that building. That building is ours. We're going to be in there. And, uh, and the time came when we needed to, to you know, get into a permanent facility I went and talked to the owner. They were willing to hold the mortgage and help us get into the building. We spent four months completely gutting the building and renovating it. And before you knew it, we had turned this stinky, broken down building into a, a house of worship. And uh, it, was, it was fantastic. It was awesome to see God provided thousands of dollars of, of materials and 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 labor, and all kinds of stuff for free. I mean, God just blessed, and blessed, and blessed, and we were in that building. But I I believe it was because God put a promise in our hearts, and we we held on to it. It was a spirit-led, guided missile prayer. We wouldn't let it go because God had put it in our hearts. Praying in the Spirit also means in the timing of the Spirit. So many times I've heard stories of people feeling led to pray for someone and, uh, you know, the, 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 the person pops in their heart and they, I don't know why I was praying for you and, and, oh, you wouldn't believe what happened. You know, right at that very time I was in this situation and, you know, God, God brought me through. And I've heard that so many times. And we need to be paying attention to the timing of the Lord when He drops someone in your heart when you when you're going about your business in the day and someone's face comes to mind their name comes to mind don't just assume that it's your random roaming thoughts assume that God wants you to pray about it about something there's a timing in it there's a spirit-led timing that uh, that he wants to lead us all right pray on all occasions Paul says
just thinking about the time that we have left and how much to take on here. Um, pray on all occasions. Um, first of all, I think that means regular times of prayer, that, that we, need to, we need to have a plan. We need to have a plan to pray. Maybe, maybe you've got a specific place or time of the day where you just spend whatever, five minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever it is, but you spend some time specifically given to the Lord. Let me say this. If, you know, I, I think it's awesome to spend, you know, half an hour, an hour in prayer with the Lord. But if you're spending zero right now, don't try to aim at an hour. Aim at five minutes. Like, just, just get started, right? Um, set a time and a place to spend some time regularly with the Lord. Then I want to speak to corporate times of prayer. Um, the Bible talks many, many places and many times about gathering, about corporate times of prayer. This is, this is our air warfare, folks. We've got ground warfare. We've got, we've got you know, every kind of, as, as the Lord leads us in this war that we are in, this spiritual battle that wages around us, prayer is our air warfare. And we need to, to lean into it. We need, to, we need to gather for prayer. As I've heard people say, as, as the prayer meeting of a church goes, so goes the church. Um, and Thursday after, you know, we have a, we have a corporate prayer time at six o'clock on Thursdays. It may not be the ideal, ideal time for you. Um, we've tried to find ideal times and there's, there's no one time that works for everybody. But, but right now our corporate gathering for prayer happens on Thursdays at six o'clock. Um, and over the last couple of years, we've had anywhere from five to about 15 people here for prayer on a Thursday night. This past week, we had nine people on Thursday night. But what if we had 40 or 50? What, what do you think that would do? If we had 40 or 50 people in this room on Thursday nights seeking God, pressing in for our city, pressing in to pray for family situations, Here's another question. What if you were here? What would that do for your journey with the Lord, for your prayer life? I, I just want to throw out that challenge. It's not about guilting anybody to come to a meeting. But what if? What would happen? The, uh, the monastic movement, you know, like monks and nuns, Right? The monastic movement was started in the 4th and 5th centuries in church history because um, the, the, the Christian faith became the religion of the empire. And so there became a lot of people that were just kind of nominally Christian. Right? They attached Jesus' name to their lives, but they, you know, they were, their, their level of commitment was was questionable 
But there were these monks and nuns who said, we want, we want to we want to seek God. We want to be serious about our faith. And so they'd go into the, into the desert or they'd go into monasteries and they'd, they'd pray. And, but there became this thing where the, kind of the average Christian felt like the monks and the nuns were doing the prayer for them. Oh, we're off the hook. Right? We're off the hook. And, and I, I guess I want to ask our are we letting the people, you know, some people do our praying for us, right? Um, so, so when there are opportunities to gather, not saying that you need to be here every, every time, but, but how about once every three months? That, that would be an increase for, for most of us, right? What about once every three months we show up for prayer on Thursday night? I bet you we bump 15 up to 25. Wouldn't that be cool? Right? Just, just throwing it out there as a challenge. All right. And we need spontaneous times of prayer. Paul says, be alert in this passage. He says, be alert. Be aware around us of what, what do we need to be praying? What, where's the battle? What's coming at us? How do we need to pray today? Maybe we need to be alert and aware of world crisis situations. Maybe we need to be aware of family crisis situations. Maybe there's, there's an attack coming at us personally and we need to be aware. But we need to be ready for spontaneous prayer whenever the Lord leads us. All right? All kinds of prayer and request, he says. There are many kinds of prayer. It's quiet, meditative, contemplative prayer. There's passionate, fervent, fiery prayer, right? There's desperate prayer. Oh, God, right? Those kind of prayers. There's, um, there's long prayers and one-word prayers and weeping prayers and laughing prayers. There's shouting prayers. There's even angry prayers, because you know what? God can handle, he's got big enough shoulders to handle it if you're angry. You need to vent. He's a great place to vent, right? There's lamenting prayers. We can pray when we're kneeling. We can pray when we're walking. We can pray when we're laying down, when we're driving, when we're sitting. Don't close your eyes when you're driving and praying. But... <laughs> and you know what? There's one reason I love the masks. It's because I can pray walking through the grocery store and nobody knows. I can pray in the Spirit. I can pray in tongues and nobody even knows I'm doing it, right? And I, I mean, there's... But, but there's all kinds of prayer. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Try a new kind of prayer. So you know what? We have, we have ruts we get into. If, you, if you've never prayed a passionate, fervent prayer, I bet there's something in your life that you need to get passionate about and, and just let it rip. Just call on God. If you've never had a quiet, meditative prayer, I challenge you that we need to be still sometimes before the Lord. 
All right. Many forms of prayer. Key is, pray from your heart. I've heard people say, well, I've heard so-and-so pray, and I just can't pray like they can, so I'm not sure that God hears my prayers. Please don't ever think that. You're not, there's no competition in prayer. God is your heavenly Father who wants to hear you, and if all you can get out is, Papa, I love you. That's the best thing you can say to Him. He wants to hear from your heart. Amen? All right. Pray for boldness. We need to wrap up, but we just land here. Um, We need to hold one another up in prayer. Paul says here to, to pray for all the brothers and sisters. We need to hold one another up in prayer. If you know someone is struggling, don't gossip about them. Pray for them. Right? That's what we are called to do. Pray for one another. And, and Paul says, pray for me that I, that I will speak the words that I need to speak. And, and twice he says here, fearlessly. Fearlessly. Pray that I will fearlessly proclaim the mysteries of the gospel folks pray for your pray for your spiritual leaders those who are in spiritual leadership have targets on their back we know as we look around at the church uh, world in in North America today, and we, we hear about the stories of this one fell and that one fell and this situation and that situation. And if the enemy can take out the leader, he's got the church. And so the, there is a target on the back of every spiritual leader, from your pastors to, to ministry staff to um, you know, to, to volunteer leaders, whatever. And I want to encourage you to be praying for leaders that we would do what God has called us to do fearlessly. Fearlessly, as Paul said. And lastly, so, we need to pray for boldness for ourselves. We all need to live fearlessly, don't we? We all need to serve God Fearlessly. I believe boldness is one of those prayers that God loves to answer. That He loves to answer. He's waiting to answer a prayer for boldness. God, make me bold. In fact, we won't take the time because we are out of time, but in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John come back from being imprisoned. And they come back and join the disciples, the rest of the, the followers of Christ. And they pray a prayer for boldness. They don't pray, God, keep us safe. They say, God, do even greater miracles and make us bold. And and as soon as they finish praying, it says that the room was shaken with a, a, a supernatural earthquake of God's presence. Right? God was instantly attentive to their prayer for boldness. Let's stand.
Three questions. Question number one. Worship team, where are you? Come on up. Um, Question number one. Do you know how much your heavenly Father loves you? There are no obstacles from God's side. He is waiting for you to run to Him. Do you know how much your Heavenly Father loves you? Secondly, do you have a plan to spend time with Him regularly? If you don't have a plan, make a plan. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Right? And thirdly, what is one step that you can take to grow in prayer this year? Okay. I want to pray for you and then I want to end our time with a blessing from the, that is right out of the last verse, out of the end of Ephesians, is a a blessing that Paul speaks. I want to speak over you and then Pastor Pam is going to come. So, Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you for your commitment to us. Thank you that you hear our prayer. No matter how eloquent or how simple or how how wordless even, that you love to hear us pray. God, I pray that you would grow each one of us in our journey with you. Grow us in prayer, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen.